Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. And today's topic, the legacy of demolition. And don't forget, you can find us on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and iHeart Radio. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello, David. And Craig. Dave, had an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, the legacy of demolition. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. What's going on, guys? David, how are you, sir? I am fan-fucking-tastic. You know what? Demolition is so awesome to me. I'm so glad we're doing this. I think it's long overdue. Um, they they accomplished some things, and I'm doing, I, I, I've been doing the backstory on our Demolition before Demolition, and I'm quite fascinated. I think this is going to be a really good episode. But can I be honest with you guys right up Hit front? It. I don't know who Demolition is. Never heard of <laughs> Okay, it's only like your favorite. It's only your favorite tag team ever. Uh, second favorite. Everybody knows Hard Foundation mm-hmm. is the greatest tag team ever. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. But not that we're gonna get into it too deep right now. But Demolition, Hard Foundation feuds were kind of awesome. Yeah. Never heard of it. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I've heard of the road. Oh, right. yeah, pony in the ground, David. You stupid <laughs> son of a bitch. No, I'm uh. super jazzed because like. It, they're one of those teams that they were only around for four years, what, 87, 88, not very long. Yeah, yeah. Four years. And like they Vince, you know, Mr. I don't really give a shit about tag teams, like really kind of strapped the rocket to those guys. And uh, they were, we'll get into it, but they're kind of a takeoff of another popular tag team that had already been kind of blazing the trail for years before them. And uh, they still, even with a sort of quote unquote rip off gimmick, made a legendary name for themselves and and everybody fondly remembers demolition so much in fact that you know there's a major call for them to go in the hall of fame which there also is a reason why they're not in the hall of fame which we'll get to as we go on as well there you go no oh, i agree craig what do you say i uh this is the wheelhouse i think of my junior high kind of experience and when i think of like my fondest time the most kind of addicted to wrestling i was i think it was during this time and demolition were uh, on top of it almost the whole time. And to Jess's point, even back then, as young as you were, you still read kind of the wrestler and pro wrestling illustrated. And what you knew in the very beginning when they first launched was these guys are road warrior ripoffs. Uh, but it very, came very clear. And I think uh, within a very short amount of time that they, that they weren't, that they were great and they were good enough that they, um, uh, they had to turn them. They had to turn them face, and they had some of the 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 best matches of that era at that time with, and beat almost every '80s tag team of any significance. And uh, we don't count the last couple of years of the run, and we'll get into. Uh, but the, mm-hmm. the those those first maybe uh, three years, uh, fantastic. And another flag, fact that's kind of glaring me in the face right now that I never really thought about is. They were only in the WWF. They weren't demolition and jump back Anywhere and forth else. or any. Yeah, they were with WWF as demolition. And that was it. Like, I mean, that was for a major promotion no. anyway. You know, they've done indie work and stuff, but that's, you know, the way. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's past the point. Right. But yeah, yeah. Like and that's it, what, yeah. And Axe has the coolest fucking voice. Yeah, I agree. And not and not not to mention the fact that the tag team was only in WWF until like Vince said, "Hey, do what you want." If they want to do something independent as Smash or Axe, I don't think anybody's going to say anything. But 
you know, but before that, they had a lot of history before they became Demolition. And I'll get you into some a little bit of backstory. We'll start with Axe, who is also uh, known as Bill Eady, born in 1947. He's 72 years old now, by the way, if you guys were not aware of that. He was um, old when they started, started, to be honest. Like, yeah. he, he was He's always 71. old and he looked old. When when Demolition started, he was already old. I he agree. Was, he was because he started in 1972 <laughs> in NWA as uh, the mass tag team's uh, he, he started out as the paramedic, and the tag team was the paramedics. You get it? That's not true. Please tell me right. that's not true. It's, I swear <laughs> to God, it's true. I, I, yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even playing. I, I can't make this up. I mean, come on. I'm not that good. And he he slowly ventured on and said years into the WWWF as Bolo Mongol, and in the Mid Atlantic, he was the masked superstar, and he be, he was quote that's unquote an Olympic champ. That's what he got most. Uh, the mass superstar is really one of his. Before demolition, he was most famed for that. He yeah, he was quote unquote have you an ever Olympic seen a, champion. A mass superstar mass yeah, chess. Sorry, Dave. I, I, I don't recall. No, I don't fine. think I've ever seen a mass superstar. Have you, or do you remember him, or seen him wrestle? I do, I don't remember him at all. But like when people talk in, in shoot interviews with him now and stuff, everyone's like, "Well, he, I mean, he was on fire as the mass superstar." And I'm yeah, like, the same. Like, yeah, I kind of just picked that up, and I agree with it. I mean, everyone says it, so it must be true, honestly. I mean, all the people that were in well, the ring with him said it. times is seemingly impervious to pain, but we will be seeing the three of you in action for the first time ever here on We've Georgia Championship Wrestling. We've asked our promoters to give us an opportunity to wrestle here on television just to give our opponents, if there are any, a preview of what's coming. Well, thank you so very much, uh, the superstars. Well, he had a he had a gimmick where he was he was quote unquote an Olympic champion, and it was ten thousand dollars to anyone who could break his Cobra clutch, kind of like the Master Lock back, you know, when we saw it. So that's kind of where they where they ripped that off is the the Cobra clutch. Anybody who could break out of it would get ten thousand dollars. <laughs> And he was welcome this week to the Sportatorium. Once again, someone tries to break the hold of the mass superstar. I will attempt to break the Cobra Clutch. I'm not a plant. (laughs) Yeah, okay, five hundred bucks your way. Probably, (laughs) I almost did it. But anyway, but what's interesting is in the in the billing of his back of uh, of just of just Bill Eady. They say they build him at six three and three hundred pounds. I I can't believe he was ever that big because he he must have dropped a lot of weight maybe when he came in as Axe. Uh, I mean, as Axe, I would I would I would say he was about two seventy five easy. You think so? Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I think right. so. I mean, I just—I was just curious. I'm like 300 pounds. That's what that's was a the big height dude, on that? Man. Six three. You said okay. No, that's, that's six about two. right to me. Yeah. 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 That's all right. <laughs> right. And and just to give you an idea of who he went up against over the years, he went up against Blackjack Mulligan, Wahoo McDaniel, uh, Stan Hansen, Mister Wrestling Two, Dick Murdoch, and then later on in WWF, he actually faced up against Bob Backlund as a champion, Hulk Hogan as a champion. Sergeant Slaughter, before he became champion again, Jimmy Snuka, he was one of the first wrestlers to slam Andre, believe it or not. Um, that is pretty fucking cool, if you ask me. Um, and eight- David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody yeah. fucking slammed Andre before WrestleMania 3. What in Th- the flying fuck uh, Thank are you, you Jess. Right what are you now? talking about? What Jesus. kind of news get source get are you getting this get from? Get off your... He'd never been beaten. Cock. He'd never been knocked off his feet. And he sure as yeah. sugar shit, Dave, was in slam before oh. Hogan did at WrestleMania Was Axe in Detroit, Michigan in 1987 just, in the middle of 93,000 people. <laughs> did, 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 did Bill Eady do that, Dave? <laughs> yeah. No, Dave. Jesus. And in 86, he actually became Super Machine with Andre as a tag I, team. For that's a, where I remember him, Craig, to, to like about, you know, I didn't remember yeah. him as Mass Superstar, but I remember him as a Machine's. One of the machines. I didn't know he was. Yeah. I didn't know he was Axe until way after because he had a mask. Yeah, on, isn't it, but, and that's yeah. interesting. And then that's where we get into the demolition phase. But before we do that, let's roll into Smash, who is also Barry Darso, born in 1959. He is 60 years old now. Really uh, fast. A little tidbit. R- really 16. fast. Are you gonna Are you yeah. gonna get to the Moon Dog Spot thing? I don't think so. I'll okay. let you take so, that when it comes. Yeah. No, it is here now. Moondog Spot was a, a ta- part of a tag. He was an individual wrestler and he was also part of a tag team. So the, him and Ed, they came up with the Demolition concept. They were both the members of Demolition. Uh, Moondog Spot was Smash originally. Oh, for about, yeah, yeah. That, for that, like that, yeah, two for like months. a minute. Yeah. yeah. And so the whole thing, I the only reason why I bring this up, I mean, it is important to Demolition's legacy, but, but, but the only reason why I bring this up is 
the reason that he gives and other people give on shoot interviews is the reason why Vince decided to go with someone new and bring Smash in is because people would recognize him as Moondog Spot. Let me let me let me shoot <laughs> that shit down. As Moondog Spot, he carried around a big fucking bone, wore jeans that below the knees were like shredded, and he had a big long white beard and long white hair. That was his Moondog Spot gimmick. For demolition, he shaved his beard off so he could match Axe's face paint. Or not match, but similar. Nah, there's more to he, it, yeah. Yeah, he cut his hair short and slicked it back. So, if anything, he looked more like Axe than Smash did. Because the whole thing of demolition was, hey, when they they switch around on the ref, it's hard for you to keep track of who they are. No, because Smash ended up having long fucking hair and Axe didn't. And so Axe did but like Moondog Spot had the same length that he cut everything. He shaved his beard, cut his hair. Yeah, the same length like, yeah. So he looked like yeah. it the most. But the reason is like people are just going to fucking recognize you under black S&M outfits and face paint. And you cut your beard off and you cut your hair short. How much opposite can you be from the spoon, the uh, Moondog Spot gimmick? And they tell no, you there was, it's just not going to work out because people are just going to recognize well, I, you, bro. And, and maybe like, we'll ne- maybe we'll never know what happened, but it, maybe it's just it just wasn't working. I just wanted to bring and, that up because like, no, the, no, no, yeah, you're good. it was you're a little good. blip on the radar, but we'll... I thought it was funny that the reason why they gave him was because like people are just going to recognize you, bro, from your legendary Moondog Spot gimmick. Like it's so crazy. Yeah. To me. Like how many yeah. times do they repackage a wrestler? and We know exactly who it is. Like so many times, but this time most people didn't, most people didn't even know smash was the repo man as well. They didn't know it was the same guy. The you're right. It, you're right. They just repackage. It's all, it's so all horse shit. Vince apparently so. didn't have confidence early on in his uh, owning the company. He's like, I, I don't think I could do it. Repackage yeah, someone. No, that, I don't no, think no, I could yeah. do it. Right. Know about that. What's don't funny about me. that whole thing don't is then me. the guy who actually became Smash, no one ever, ever said in the history of all his gimmicks after that said, like, do you think they'll, they might remind you of Smash? He went, he had 50 <laughs> yeah, gimmicks right? out like, of Smash. Like, so, and yeah, never an issue <laughs> yeah, with the like, guy who that eventually replaced Moondog. Vince, uh, we're thinking about putting uh, uh, Barry in a uh, like a repo gimmick or whatever. No, yeah. no yeah. way. People yeah. are going to know he's Smash <laughs> right away. Yeah. yeah it's iconic. It, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so getting getting back to Smash a little bit, uh, 60 years old to this point, born in 59, uh, little known tidbit, I think some know this, he was actually a bouncer with the likes of Hawk and Animal before wrestling, who's also known as Legion of Doom or Road Warriors, right? I believe that was his um, in in the Crockett and the NWA promotion, because you're going to get to it that he was a Russian before that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of knew, that. So he yeah, was, he, Hawk and Animal helped he started... He started in 83 in Hawaii as uh, Star Mongo. He bounced around for a little bit. He was in Mid-South as Crusher Darso. He was a Soviet Soviet sympathizer. He tagged up with uh, Nikolai Volkov. Then he changed his name to Crusher Khrushchev. Um, He was a Mid-South TV champion there. He lost it to Terry Taylor, who was also known as... Uh, the Birdman, no. Terry, no. The Red Rooster, uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then he went on to Florida Championship Wrestling. He teamed with Jim Neidhart, believe it or not. That's kind of cool. And they became the U.S. Tag Champs there. And then he moved on to Crockett from 85 to 87. You weren't were, shit uh, unless you went through Florida Championship Wrestling. You weren't, you, weren't, right you, weren't, you were you not were a motherfucker. Shit. Yeah. You don't belong in this sport. He, he became NWA Tag Champs, one-third, by the way, with the Koloffs. This is kind of where they went to Freebird rules on that. And then um, he wrestled with the likes of Rock and Roll Express, the Road Warriors. And in, in, in November of 85, he actually won the NWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight title, blew his knee out, had to drop it, by the way. A little, It's kind of interesting. He was a heavyweight champ. You know, anywhere. That's kind of cool, right? Um, and then he helped Nikita defeat Magnum TA for that same title, and then we all know what happened to Magnum TA. He is in our, um, gosh, what, did, what was, what was the title of that? Yeah, Best of the seven. Nephew Nikita will beat you four straight and remain United States Heavyweight Champion. Question. You know, Ivan, it's been a long time since I've been out here. But my dream has come true. And the reason why is because of you, Ivan, and all my other comrades. I'm here for one reason. That is to search and destroy and to get that World Six-Man Cup back. Every day I laid in that hospital room, I thought Road Warriors, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, Wahoo McDaniels, and my dream has finally come true. I'm here. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I'm 110%. So when it comes to the great uh, greatest, greatest wrestlers to never win the world title. Greatest wrestlers never won the world title. Uh, and that's because Magnum TA got in that car wreck, and he actually helped Magnum... He actually helped... Um, 
Magnum's partner go at it, go ahead and kind of turn on the call offs later on. But then he became U.S. tag champs with Ivan even before that, and then he moved on to the WWF, and that is where we got that formation early push. Jess already kind of discussed that a little bit, and we had uh, what was it, Randy? Randy? Is it Coley or is it Collie? It's Collie. Randy Colley. Yeah, he Rand- was, yeah Randy he was Colley and Billy D created Demolition and worked for WWF, and they debuted as that team in 87, January 17th, uh, with Superstar. I'm sorry, in the addition of Superstars. And they defeated the team of Salvatore Bolimo and Mario Mancini. So can we just say prelims? Uh, David, <laughs> top-notch. That is top-notch that, that shit. Is, <laughs> that is, that's fucking WrestleMania action right there, right? So, but to Jess's point, that did not last very long. After a few matches, Kali was replaced with Barry Darso and a match that aired on February of 87 edition of Superstars. And uh, there was a video shoot with them and Edie said that Kali was replaced because he was too recognizable to the fans as a man of Moondog Rex. So stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 absolutely phenomenal, right? So so they, they pitched some potential replacements, but I mean... At the end of the day, um, they felt that fans would not recognize Darso. He'd been working for Crockett. We talked about Khrushchev Khrushchev, you know, and, and Nikita Koloff that he worked behind. And they became known for their aggressive style in the ring when they dominated their matches. There was a lot of double axe handles over the back, was it not? I mean, and a lot of slamming their foot on the, you know, in the ring. It, yes. It was very impressive. Yeah. And the big, the big part here, the big takeaway from Demolition is... They did have some okay matches, good matches, and I'm not shitting on them, but I have a point. Without, if they were in the the era now of 50-50 booking, excuse me, Demolition would just fall flat in like two months. They needed, they needed those prelim. How many Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings did we watch? They just destroy people. Uh, Destroy, but you saw the red welts on the back of the prelim. They were beating up and the camera and Vince McMahon would be like, oh my, look at. Look at Mike Johnson's back. Like, you know, and it's just like what a maneuver. And Ventura would be like, oh, that's brutal. And, you know, just, yeah, they they needed prelim wrestlers to put this gimmick over because they were just brawlers. So everybody knows that when you fight a superstar, you go a lot easier. You know, it's the Yokozuna splash effect. You know, when he used to do the sit down bomb on people, he would murder prelims, but when he would do it to Brett or Hogan, Yoko would totally put his feet down first and land like a feather on him. He would barely touch him. Same thing with Earthquake, everything. But yet, like, if you didn't have prelims that Yokozuna murdered, you would not believe in his aura more. Demolition was the same thing by having these prelims that they beat the shit out of that we would watch on Saturday mornings. Like they would beat him up so bad that like smash would beat the shit out of him and grab the opponent, walk him over to his other opponent and throw him in the corner and be like, tag him. And then he would tag the opponent and they beat the shit out of him. Like, so it's just crazy. Like, you can't do that against superstars every week because you get 50-50 booking when you do that. But because they use these prelims the right way, this is the perfect example to show you that this got Demolition's character over in the early months that they were trying to push the gimmick. Without the prelim victories, I don't know if Demolition would have been any different from anybody else. They might have just been Road Warrior wannabes, because, but it's those prelims, man, that you would see get beat every week, and you're like, God, these fucking guys. Were Saturday mornings just the best, Craig? Yeah, I mean, three or four months of it, you saw six weeks of probably vignettes that they were coming, and then when they showed up to the ring in this, like, um, like Mad Max looking zombie warrior kind of get up. And with those, 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 those leather masks too. So I think a little bit of, they'll say that it was more Friday the 13th, Jason kind of influence. But when they just kept beating the snot week after week after week, and there's nothing better at beating the snot out of you than front ax handles, back ax handles, forearms to the chest, forearms to the back, and just, uh, and they were both strong as hell, all of them. So they could throw you around too and look the part. And so by the time three or four months went by of them just beating the tar out of people, you believe they could beat the tar out of people and it made them and made them to where, and to Jess's point, you've seen a couple of tag teams come and go to the, that look like that, that they the once were overwhelming and they come in and on the big stage and do the 50, 50 booking. They just do not last, but they play the demolition perfectly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Orchestrating all of it. What are they trying to do here? Send the message to somebody? Ooh. Brady Boone is coming back in. Boone hammering away. Oh, no, the double team him again. 
Warriors are gutsy on Mando. He came back, but look what's happening to him now. That's a stupid young man. He was out on the floor where he was nice and safe, but he figures he's got to come back in there and get some more. He's a tough competitor. Contest pass. Double. Yeah, good example. <clears throat> but right. but to your point, once once everybody believed it, and they're brutalizing people like Brady Boone <laughs> and other people, um, then they get wins over people like the Killer Bees, you know, Brenzel and, and Blair, right? They get wins over the Rougeaus, the British Bulldogs, the Young Stallions, which by the way, that's another prelim tag. But so Roma Stop and it. Powers, I know, I I love them too. I love them. The Islanders and even the Can-Am Connection with Martell and Zinc. So they're beating all of these people on the way, and then they get into their pay-per-view debut at Survivor Series in an elimination tag match where five baby faces face five heels, and Demolition was part of that heel group. They were disqualified over shoving Dave Hevner, but I think that's the safe face. They don't want them to get beat, and it's, just, it's easy to get them out of there because they, they had plans for them, right, which is the tag team title reigns, right, Jess? Yeah, I mean, it jumps... You know, they were prepping him for sure. And then once Strike Force won it, I mean, obviously, WWF was never like a face versus face or heel versus heel territory. They would break those rules here and there. But yeah, once I saw Demolition kind of start swelling up bigger in like the beginning of 88, I was like, oh, yeah. And then when they announced the match at WrestleMania 4 that they would be challenging Strike Force for the tag titles, I was like, we got new champions. Even as a young kid, I knew it. I'm like, it's over. It's it's over. Because they had been baiting you before. Every time they would get up to these bigger teams, and this is just a Vince thing, you know, it's like they, Vince did not like heels to go over clean and look too dominant. So basically, it's like, yeah, they would kill these prelims, but when they would start beating teams like the Killer Bees and stuff, they would use like little Mr. Fuji tactics. They would use Fuji's cane. They would do stuff like that. So that was Vince's little like, heels got to be heels, pal. They can't be. And, that, they can't and, that's, and to your point, that's how they won. But And Craig, jump in any time here, but. I believe, and maybe this is more obvious than, than I think, the heavyweight championship was for the face, but the tag champ and the and the IC championships were always for the heels. And the heels could win however they wanted to. That was your legitimate babyface chase that other federations did on the main stage. But Vince is like, nah, my babyface is going to come at the end of the night, make everybody feel good and want to come back in a month. Um Thoughts on that? Because, you know, you think, you know, Hogan's running the show here, right? I mean, for years. But at this point, I mean, look, to your point, Jess, Demolition win here with a cane. They they use Mr. Fuji's cane to over the back and they and they beat these guys, you know, in, in, in a match. And it, it's a total cheap victory. It's a heel victory. Um, I mean, do, do you guys feel that's the formula for Vince at this point? The tag champs, the IC champs belong to the heels where the faces chase. But the heavyweight championship is over by Santana, and he's still holding on to the crab. Fuji now up on the apron. He's getting clobbered. Oh, he's got the cane of the referee. Oh, the referee never saw that. Nailed him with a cane right across the neck. Referee's down there looking. He's hurt. Fuji's down. If the ref gets up, Martel's covered. He says it. Two. Oh, it's over. I mean, that could be a byproduct, too, of they all had managers at that point, too. Vince put a manager with every heel tag team, because I think if you think about tag teams, it's guys that potentially can't succeed on their own as of yet. And maybe what's lacking with them is their promo skills or they're just not at that that. that it factor yet. So every tag he'll have to tag team had a manager to be their voice, which I don't know if demolition really needed. Uh, they screamed a lot, but they really could put together a promo. And I think back then it wasn't scripted at all and they were good at it. And Fuji wasn't super great at promos itself. And I think we haven't talked about Fuji yet. So it could be a byproduct of that, but we did certainly see a mix of heel and face. Yeah, tag teams I mean, at like time. smash did scream. And he did like, if someone said kind of give me like a, a demon voice, smash was like that, you know, like that kind of, you would probably do that voice if you're put on the spot. Axe had this amazing, like gravel, like just, I can't even do it. Like he was just like this gravelly, Monsoon would say it perfect all the time on commentary. It's like he has razor blades in his throat. 
And Gorilla Monty would say that all the time. And that Axe had the coolest voice. Like, and it was like, even as a kid, I was like, God damn, that guy, like, and he'd point into the camera when he's talking to you and fucking threatening you and your life. Someone who smoked two packs a day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so Axe had, go ahead. We might have said to each other at one point, like, did Axe get his throat removed? Like, what did, like, like, it looks like it's like, maybe he lost it at a bar fight. Like, he can't really speak. And that's how he speaks. Yeah, like, it, yeah, it was like the Macho Man voice, even the Macho Man ended up speaking that way in real life, but like, yeah, it's like, you're like, that can't be his real voice, right? Like, yeah, and Axe had that, Smash, again, was cool, you know, and he could, he could do his promos, and you know how to put his little sentences together, but Axe was always like the, you know, Smash would say his thing, and he'd be like, tell him Axe, and Axe would come in with the, like that awesome voice to end the promo, and I'm like, yes, like, Axe is kind of scary. And I, I someone had said, he's act, he was actually from Minnesota and had a pretty thick Minnesotan accent, so the he was he screamed or put that affect on it slower and louder to avoid that but i don't know i'd never heard him to get rid of it quiet i've never heard a quiet act speak in a minnesota voice so I'd like, now i want to hear it god damn it Craig. <laughs> i always want what i can't have you know well my first so, couple of years with demolition you know? and smash uh <laughs> like what the accent <laughs> It's like hearing Tyson talk for the first time. You're like, that was a letdown. Yeah, Ed, go and tell us about the first time. Well, when I first met Smash, I was like, we're going <laughs> to go together like two peas in a pod. Are we not? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's, well, he's let's play one of your promos from WWF. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Like, it's, it's <laughs> one day we were Which just is like most wrestlers. He's we, just incredibly talented. Vader's like that too. Vader's yeah. like, you know, like he has that voice. But when you listen to Vader, he's like on the Bret Hart documentary, he was just like, oh, I own a true strip malls uh, in Minnesota. And uh, I'm like, that's Vader. Like, that's crazy. And, the, and, the, and then you pan to Vader. It's Vader. Yeah. What'd yeah. you say to me, Sting? I'm going to eat your children. Like, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I do actually own a couple of the strip malls and they we're doing okay. We're doing oh, right. God damn. <laughs> so. So when you think about this, as champions, they've defeated a number of top teams, including the British Bulldogs, sorry, Craig, the Hart Foundation, and they they would still carry the feud on with Strikeforce for some time, but it ended in July of that same year when Martell had to uh, take care of his wife. She was suffering from an illness, and um, apparently Martell took a decapitation, which was their finishing move for demolition on the floor, and suffered that uh, quote-unquote I remember injury. that. Yeah, it was like that was a, a news bulletin on Saturday Morning Wrestling on Superstars, like because they had already won the titles and like they were it was known that Strike Force was chasing them around the country at house shows to try to win the title back. And then they cued you in on this match they had or whatever. And they're like, here, look what they did to Rick Martel. And yeah, they took on the outside of the ring and they gave the finisher on the floor, which I don't know how that's more devastating than doing it in the ring because their finisher was. Yeah, the finisher was uh, s- smash. Picking them up like like you know if you would do a set back, him on his knee yeah set him on his knee face up and then axe would jump off the rope and elbow him in the throat and smash would kind of twirl him off his knee but like the the <laughs> impact is the elbow to the throat that's the thing so he just throws yeah. him on the mat on the floor though whoo on this padded floor Ooh, watch they, out yeah they just the doing the flip the at the way, end that um, second part where you flip them over and they bang their knees yeah. on the rail I, they didn't do that yeah to, they just just they gently <laughs> as it goes elbow I want to say too they well, hit him they hit him with a cane right before then as well he was trying to get back in the ring to beat the count and they hit him in the back with a cane and then they did the move which as a kid i remember watching that going rick martell's fucked he's done like it's just yeah so i believed it yeah and it was just sort of but but at the end of the day when you look at that maneuver now what an incredible maneuver i mean how safe was that compared to some finishers oh yeah super safe you you look at the the doomsday device warriors yeah oh god doomsday device jesus but simple but it looked awesome which is which is awesome little little damage to the guy not far off the ground but it looked awesome even the Heart Foundation finish was probably more dangerous, and they were incredibly safe. You know, if you want to compare, and yeah, there was just there was a lot more horse shit that was out there. It was really hurting people, and these I think these guys were incredibly safe. Um, you know, being the ultimate heels, I, it, it is the ultimate kayfabe look when you think about it. They did a great job. You know, and um, I just told Smash, yeah. I said what we should do is just do an elbow. <laughs> Off the second rope, and he said, "Why don't I but hold I'll the flip, guy?" But and, I'll flip him, and I'll flip, and I'll flip him. That's a And I, so, I, would, I would drop so an elbow right we, into this bastard's we, throat, and I would, I would try we, to kill we him. Can, 
We can edit this out, but this is all Tiger King straight <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think we should edit it's it out. And that's, that's a very solid point that everyone's yeah. doing Tiger King impressions. The only thing, it's it's not even April yet, but the only thing getting us through life right now is literally Tiger King as a it's, nation. So, if, yes, on, we're allowed to use it for Billy Edie's voice. Now. That's yeah, a, you know what? What a great point, Dave. And fuck you, Panda, for that, too. We're fucking allowed. We're allowed, goddammit. Like every impression of this, and then McMahon said, well, I think that Mania is my idea, not yours. I just want to shoot that bitch in the head. (laughs) When she rides that bike to work. (laughs) Yeah, just in the night before the match. Hey, Pat, Pat, come over here and talk to Smash now about what we're doing tonight. No one told us. Santana and Martell are standing right over here and they're like, what the fuck? I don't know what the fuck. Come on, Pat. Let's act Come like on, he's all dressed Pat. up. Come on. <laughs> Can we do something about these spikes? They are sharp. Yeah. Can we do something about that? The fan, yesterday the fan pat me on the shoulder and he said, ow. And I was like, oh. So can we do something about that, Pat? Uh. Um, and I had to say, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> so funny. Actually, uh, can I sing the demolition theme tune myself, Mr. Johnson? I will sing it. Um, <laughs> well, here comes and that's another one the too. Ad. Yeah, their theme music was was brilliant. Like, yes, their it was theme fantastic. music was so fucking good. Yeah, no. It was, I will it was insert the, the sound clip here, by the way, of course, because uh, yeah, like that. Their music is still one of the best theme musics I think to this day. Like, it was fantastic. Was it Jimmy Hart or Jim Johnston, I wonder? Might have been Jimmy Hart. I, uh, I think it was Jim Johnston. I don't think he sang it, but I think he wrote it. I could Oh, be no, because it. it was on the Pile Driver album, and they did, like, a vignette of, like, their promo video, which, like, intercut nuclear war and stuff. And I think yes, all they had yeah. at the time was, like, superstars footage from them. So it was just them beating the shit out of prelims, interspersed with, yeah. like, a... And then, like, a... Uh, yeah, the Hindenburg crashing, and then, like, yeah, yeah and then smash. And that was, like, world premiere. Get him, get him, smash. You better, you better cut to it. You got to cut to that promo for sure. Yeah. So in the summer of 88, the powers of pain, the warlord and the barbarian, which these guys, Ugh. we you think Axe and Smasher. They were road huge. warrior wannabes for Pete's sake. Oh, my God. This is the real wannabes. These guys were massive. I want to say they were close to 600 pounds combined. I mean, if not over that. Entered the WWF at that time. They challenged them for the tag team championships. And uh, during an elimination tag team match at the 88 Survivor Series, Fuji attacks Demolition and joins forces with the Powers of Pain, which is that double turn. Takes which place, is funny because face. you know how good the double turn went with Brett and Austin years later, Mania 13? This was not the same. People refer no. to this one as the original uh, double switch that didn't work. That's what everybody calls it online because it was super fucking confusing. Like it was really weird. Well, what's funny is that it it worked on the back end, but when it happened, you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Like, with 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 uh, with Austin and Hart, it couldn't have been more like it was just everybody understood. I think yeah. it threw but people. This one, you're like, it threw people because I think as yeah. they as Powers of Pain picked up Mr. Fuji, like the audience kind of heard them say, "Like, are you okay, Mr. Fuji? You seem like you're hurt a little bit." <laughs> I'm going to get you up and okay, all right? I'm going to burst this off your shoulder. You like to be friends with us, Warlord and Barbarian? Like when he whispers to people like in the ring, you know, when people talk to someone in the ring, like just you hear acts every now and then going like, duck the clothes on backdrop. Come on, we did over this. (laughs) He's talking to the guy in the ring. We've gone way off the rails. Barbie, Barbie. Hip toss. I told you, pick Fuji up and then hip toss me. She yet. <laughs> so they 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 do Smash, they do give me the boot. Out. Like he goes back yeah. in the character. They, they do they do straighten it out because you know Fuji says when they won the titles, he said that uh, demolition had become insubordinate and disrespectful, whereas the powers of pain would be true. utterly obedient and loyal. Right? Fuji's but a liar. Demolition denounced their former manager as a parasite. He's Fuji the Stooge. Remember those? Uh, they they also squared off against each other. As entrance one and two in the Royal Rumble at the summit in Houston 89, tearing into each other for that full two minutes. And then finally, Andre joins and yeah, that, once again joins Demolition and targeted Andre. The very so cool. first pay per view Royal Rumble, I thought that was a brilliant booking move, having those two like just go at it because square off their characters are defined, but they were undefined, meaning like they 
you knew they weren't going to have two separate voices. Like, in other words, you knew they booked this to not show a split was coming. They booked it just because, like, they knew, like, no, these guys don't care. Like, so, yeah, like, it was really cool. And you got that. Even when I saw them come down as number one and two, I never thought they were trying to tease a split. I thought that, no, they just, they want to hurt people. So they, they're they the only two in front of each other. So let's fucking hurt each other. Like, it was really cool. Well, like, they, and they made it very clear once Andre came in that they were still a team. You know? I can't stop yeah. the fucking voice in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, actually, when you said well, they hadn't found their voices yet, I imagined that, like yelling at each other, like "I'm gonna get you, smash axe, I'm gonna get you." Let's let's get let's get Andre now. Let's get Andre. Oh, he's big. Oh. I saw it. He's big. He's always big. so lost in here, Barry. I tell you all the time what we're gonna do when you just stand there. Hey, Andre. Uh, <laughs> Andre, get the, can you help Barry a little bit? Can he just choke you against the ropes to stall a little bit? Because we got to figure out what the fuck we're doing. You are one tall drink of water, Mr. Frenchman. <laughs> Andre, if, I, if you don't just get bigger every time I see you, hi. Like when he comes in the raw room, I'm like, oh my God, that's, I love it. That's I don't fantastic. know how fucking, I don't I'm know how we do this right Tiger King on Netflix now. So, uh, interesting enough, so Demolition defeats the Powers of Pain and Fuji in a tag team handicap match at WrestleMania 5 to retain those WWF World Tag Team Championships. Uh, they fought Fuji, or so they caught Fuji in the Demolition Decapitation, which, what an ultimate ending to your, you know, your your former manager churning on you. Like, to be but able going to back to, like, a, a wrestling standpoint, why the fuck protect the powers of pain at this point. They didn't do anything with them afterwards, but they make them beat Fuji. I get it to get revenge because Fuji, Fuji turned on him back at Survivor Series. So it was a revenge I think they had, I think they had plans for him just to, but it just didn't never materialize. They weren't good enough. We know that. Yeah, like, powers of pain just didn't really, uh, didn't really stir my drink, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. They, they never got past the uh, yeah. mid-card heel status, right? But that day, when that all happened... Meanwhile, though, actually, excuse me, I didn't mean to cut you off. However, meanwhile... We what? talked about them winning the tag titles at WrestleMania 4 from Strike Force, and you just said they defended mm-hmm. it against the Powers of Pain and Fuji at Mania 5. Tag team champions for a year. Like, that's a pretty yeah, big deal. Yeah, we're talking about... Like, yeah. Well, they... Not only for a year, but they broke the 370-day record that of the Valiant Brothers, Jimmy and Johnny. So on May 12th, a Demolition's reign exceeded the 409-day third reign of the fabulous fabulous kangaroos oh smash <laughs> what with the wwf united states tag team championships thus becoming the longest running holders of any tag team championship oh, smash i'm so happy history of the mcmahon era we're so, such a good team <laughs> yep. i don't know why i'm poor so they're and and their and their total reign would last 478 days oh i mean that's amazing right so it was uh it was it was the longest record until the New Day broke it in 2016. Pretty cool. The New Day. Pretty cool. And it nah. still stands as a specific record for the classic world tag team title. So it'll never be broken. Just so you all know. Um, but after WrestleMania 5, Demolition started a feud with the Twin Towers, Akeem and the Big Boss Man. And then a feud with the Brain Busters. Oh, it's so good. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So underrated. Managed by Bobby the Brain Heaton at that time. But on at 1989 at Saturday night's main event, the Brainbusters actually defeated Demolition by disqualification, and they finally dropped the titles to the Brainbusters in a two out of three falls match on the July 29th Saturday night's main event, following outside interference from Andre the Giant. Oh god! Oh. Like when it so. breaking, Andre was always breaking cases of emergency. Like when he was getting old and hobbled, it was just like Vince was like, Andre's like, what am I doing tonight, boss? Um. You're going to go down and you're going to hit that axe. Hit him. And they're going to win because of you. There you oh, go. Like this. Oh, oh, fucking... Okay, boss. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank okay, you. Boss. Oh, Jump. thank you, Andre. Thank you. I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but speaking of Andre, I mean, sure. I, I looked, I didn't realize at the time and then you do remember, but I watched it back today and you realize Andre didn't do a darn thing in there. I could barely get in and out and only just took yeah. like a Savat kick at the end from Haku, but to like a, in case of emergency, break glass. That's what they did with him. And that, yeah. that, uh, that ovation. Haku uh, uh, carried all that shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, and that ovation in the dome for them versus um, Colossal Connection. Is that, is that what the boys yeah. are talking about? Yeah. Mania 6, the Colossal yes. Connection, yeah. That was we, a pop. Uh, that was awesome. We did an episode. It was like one of our first 10 episodes where it was like uh, uh, forgotten WrestleMania moments. And that was one of my choices. Ah. I said the pop that they got when they won that title was something. It was amazing. And like, uh, like, I, I, like it, nobody ever talks about it. And I'm like, shit, like that, 
that was like awesome. Like just watching that. Like sometimes I'll go back, honestly, if I'm like down and I know this sounds really stupid, but I'll be and I want to get pumped up or whatever. I will go and watch that ending sequence where they beat Pinhaku and the whole place goes nuts. And it's like they hug each other. And like, yes, you could tell it was a hug of like this has been a long road. Like and they broke the record. This is back. I know people listening now, people that are in their 20s, if we have any of those fans um, are just like, so what? I'm like, you being a, being a champion back here meant something. It meant that, again, I always say it. It means like you got a promotion at work and you added value yeah. to that department. So the fact You're that they were top, winning. You're getting yeah, they were tying the Wild Samoan records of three here. When And, and I don't mean to jump ahead on you, Dave. Yeah. But Craig hit a good well, point. We'll get into it. At Mania 6, they won the title for the third time. And, like, it's just like. Yeah. It was a big deal. And, like, they, when they hugged each other, it was very out of character for Demolition. Yes. To Axe do doesn't that. hug so Smash. Like, Smash, you're not supposed to hug. Like, uh, yeah, that's not how it works for them. And when Apocalypse they did it, and goes. Axe, when he walked down, he said something or whatever, and he said it in his voice, his real voice. He said it like, and he said, number one, baby. Like, and the way he said it was like, he was super proud, and he was just yeah. like, it means something. And they were. It, they it, were. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like, it means something. Like, now it's not that way yeah. anymore, but back then it was like, we are playing these characters and we are capturing the imagination of people. And we just got 67,000 people. Almost every one of them were on their feet cheering. Like that was a moment that they were probably like, fuck, like that's, this is it. Like, this is what we do. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. So, so here's, here's how, here's how it shakes out. So, um, you know, looking to regain the belts, demolition, sought revenge on Andre and closure with the twin towers. SummerSlam of 89, King Duggan and Demolition actually defeat Andre in the Towers in a six-man tag where Darso actually showcased his strength and he body slams both of the Twin Towers. People kind of forget that. Demolition focused on regaining those tag titles, restarted their feud with the Brain Busters, and Demolition on November 4th of Superstars 8 is a taped, <laughs> it's a taped show. Demolition actually defeats the Brain Busters to regain their titles and win their second tag team Let me say, let me say this. We're going to get to that record that, you know, Craig spoke about the moment we talk about WrestleMania six. It was never supposed to happen. And I'll tell you why, because when the brain busters won the tag titles, I believe they were trying to ride it out. Demolition was supposed to, and this is me guessing, but I could just understand that, you know, they had time to book stuff back here. They could draw storylines out for four or five months because pay-per-views were about that far apart. They were going to beat the uh, brain busters at mania six. That was the original plan. But when Arn and Tully didn't, they got to a point where Vince wasn't really delivering what he promised them. So Arn and Tully were like, well, we're going to leave then. And so he was like, okay, don't leave just yet. Give me some time. I'll work this out. Arn Anderson even said the next week, Vince is like putting the belts on you, pal. No new money promises or anything like that. Just we're putting the belts on you. So that's when they beat Demolition for the tag titles. So after that, Tully and Arn were still like, yeah, great and all, but like they're not, he's Where's not giving, money? yeah, he's not giving us the money he said when he lured us away from Crockett to begin with. So when they decided to leave, that's when Vince is like, okay, fine, we're going to take the titles off you. Demolition's going to win back. And then remember how odd it was that Haku and Andre formed a team to begin with? And they out of nowhere beat Demolition for the tag titles like a month after that. So that <clears> showed <throat> me that Vince wanted the Brainbusters to ride it all the way out to Mania 6 to lose. Yeah. But instead, Vince is like, well, I, my plan is to why, still, you know, have demolition. Why, would, why would Andre even get up into a ring at this point? Andre yeah. couldn't do anything. He's He was so deteriorated at this point, right? So, they, you know, they, they feuded up. They formed that colossal connection. December 30th of Superstars, Demolition loses those tag titles. Do you remember that match? Connection. I, I, you know, I don't, I can't say that I do. I remember watching it and like, it was, it, as, we know now more that Andre was super hobbled. Obviously, going back and looking at any match from then, sure. you were like, oh, my God. But as a kid, you still kind of feared Andre, right? You kind of, that's Andre. And I remember him dropping the elbow. I think it was on Axe. 
and uh, he dropped the elbow and just pinned him fair. And we were just like, Andre, oh, wow. Andre did. Yeah, Andre did. We're like, what? Like, we're like, what the fuck just happened right now? Which further again shows me that Brain Busters were supposed to ride it all the way through, but They're because they left. Yeah. Out, yeah. Like, so that was crazy. Yeah. Like, watching that moment, it was weird. It was like, it was a match. Andre just did his normal dominating and he kept cheating, and Haku would yeah. keep getting the advantage and finally tagged Andre. But it's all. Yeah, it's all about the payoff, though, right? I mean, yeah. Demolition loses that title, but then you're getting to WrestleMania six at Sky Dome in Toronto. This was a big deal. It was almost as big as, you know, the the Hogan Warrior situation, right? But uh, th- this was a big moment in WrestleMania history where Demolition defeats the Colossal Connection to regain the titles, win it for the third time, and finally put it into their feud with the Heenan family. This is quite interesting because... Andre never even tagged in this entire fucking time. That's how bad off he was. But still, it didn't matter well, because when Demolition won for the third time, the crowd went nuts. Like, absolutely insane. Correct? Haku nailed his partner. And Andre is tied in. He's tied in the ropes, Gorilla. Andre's all tied up. Oh, Haku double clothesline. This place is going crazy. Trying to free the giant. Can he make it in time? Look at Andre. He's tied up. He can't get there. There it is. Over for the cover. It's over. New tag team champion. The winners of this cup. And new world. Yeah, it was... It was a visual that I love. I I love pops. Like pops make me happy. Just watching a whole crowd. I because I was when that person gets that pop, it's like God, they did their job. Like they're connecting with the audience. Like it's all really cool. And like yeah, to watch that is like oh. And and it was only the second match on the card, by the way. So like it was just sort of like this match. I don't think Vince even knew that it was going to get like that. But then you really saw that people were love demolition, like that they winning it for a third time, breaking the record. And I think uh gorilla called it three peating. They're going to three peat tonight, you know? And like, and so it was awesome. It was yeah. really cool. It was just a nice moment that I, a lot of people talk about WrestleMania moments, but this one, I know off the air, you and cuz have a funny organic joke that you guys talk about, but uh, this was legitly organic when he beat, when he pinned Haku, oh, like that place went nuts. It was legitly like the people just saying like, Yes. Yes. Everything. This yes. That you're wanted. doing. Yeah. This and there's an iconic photo from yeah. that match too. Like it's the whoever took the still of the Savat kick that went wrong hitting Andre. Like that's, that's what perfect. I remember from that match. Is that it was it was incredible. Shot. It's all that yeah. image is stuck for WrestleMania six in my head. That photo. Ha- Haku was a beast, wasn't he? Jesus. Yeah. Props to Haku for Fucking, just taking all yeah. that. Yeah. Ming, whatever you want to call him. And then yeah. he bit someone's nose. So off. Yeah, that, that does happen. <laughs> So, you know, and this is where we talk about the addition of Crush. But before we do, let's talk about Brian Adams quite briefly. He's born in 64. Uh. Unfortunately, passes in 2007. <laughs> 43 years old. Started in 1986 in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But guess what? When your visa expires, you can't really work out there. So he had to roll back to the Pacific Northwest. He was there from 87 to 90, known as the American Ninja. He tagged uh, as the as uh, with uh, Lynn Ditton with the tag team uh, name of Wrecking Crew, and then in '88 he uh, <laughs> he was briefly working with Billy Jack Haynes in Oregon Wrestling. He was back and forth in New Japan in '87 '88. He was masked as the Midnight Soldier in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He won the Pacific Northwest Heavyweight Championship belt in a tournament in 1990, and then he lost it one month later to Scott Norton. Just to give you some accolades of names. Um, if you care about Brian Adams at all. And that brings him into the WWF working as crush. Basically, we're talking about a guy who, how do we keep demolition running? We need another big man. Axe is getting quote unquote too old. Let's be real about it. And he had health issues too. Yeah. Yeah. He had health issues. So how do we keep demolition going? And they thought, and it seems like they thought a lot of times that Brian Adams was the answer to a lot of things. And I just don't think he ever lived up to the hype. Rest his soul. Can I just say that my opinion of Brian Adams is when I would watch him wrestle, it looked like a wrestling instructor showing people in like three steps. <laughs> how to do a move. Like 
He was always so slow. Like he would do the tilt a whirl backbreaker Super like Scott Steiner would do. Remember Scott Steiner doing that tilt a whirl fucking backbreaker? He would just do it in like a fucking half a second. If you blinked, you missed yeah. it. But Brian Adams would do it, and it would be like an instructor going, "You pick him up." You hold him, you rotate him one more time, then you bring him down safely on your knee. <laughs> that every fucking move that he did, I was like, it's like a fucking That's wrestling hilarious. instructor showing me how to wrestle. Like he was, I, he had, his mind was in the right place, but he always was kind of sloppy and just tried to do these things. And I was like, nothing ever was executed nicely. It was always like a, uh, on a grade scale. <laughs> <laughs> They're all you're live on tape right now. He's like, what? To to, no, no. to his credit, the the amount of strength that must have taken to do that is, is amazing. But oh, oh he was God, a big, impressive so looking guy. But yeah, he was just yeah. so noticeably a notch below Axe Smash's work rate when you would watch him in 1990 when he became part of it. Yeah. I like the demolition or the the freebird rule thing. I thought that was a cool thing. Love that. And they instantly yeah. they kind of turned him heel for no reason. And I sort of it just sort of happened when the Hearts became number one contenders. They were like, well, obviously we got to turn demolition heel. Which yeah, you know they they were heel before. But I don't know. I was sort of bummed out. You know, after that high moment at WrestleMania six, like I felt Axe and Smash could have kept going. But you're right. Like with health restrictions and stuff on Axe and him just kind of getting older, like they had to bring someone else in. Turn him heel, I guess. But I mean, I love that the Heart Foundation, you know, got the moment in the sun and it was a cool feud. But, you know, as, as young as I was, yeah, I still was... was like, this is the end of demolition. They ceased to kind of have any relevance. You even knew it then. I yeah. personally I don't think we back then I don't, I don't remember buying it for a second that this was a cool thing. I, th- or... I, th- I think you can. Yeah. Well, th- th- this is this is an entire opinion of mine. And maybe this makes sense. But I, I always felt at that moment and even later to this day that Axe himself was the true heart of demolition. He, he drove that. So when he couldn't put it in the ring anymore, that's when you know it's over. I, I they tried. Yeah, that's wrong. true because actually was even like vocally, you could hear him in the ring and everything like, uh, you know, just like, yeah, he was sort of like the general on that ring. And I think, yeah, yeah like- he set the tone every night. Yeah. Putting on. <laughs> okay, what are you laughing about, buddy? Because we no, want to do the voice. Hey, buddy. I was just thinking of Axe being the ring general with the with the voice. It's not. It's not important. Sorry. <laughs> like just not getting your tits smash. Like just mad and smash. Like what? Do what I told you to do. <laughs> if you're not going to listen, let's just go back corner. behind that curtain and just forget it. Yeah, bring him in the corner. You know what? We're broken up. I don't want to do this anymore. If you don't want to do this, it's just not worth the time. Oh, your face no. paint looks terrible. <laughs> so and let, let, let's be real about it so axe axe falling off is a big deal but there's another big deal that comes in too who comes in shortly after the freebird rules come into play we're talking about the who legion of doom who's really just the war the road warriors who we all know demolition pretty much played off of right so their popularity begins to decline the legion of doom comes in and just assumes the role um, but uh demolition yeah they're the you know, some i don't know if did you mention SummerSlam 90 yet sorry I was too busy laughing at well, the effeminate voice. Sorry, yeah, I mean... He did not yeah, mention they, it I mean, Well, you guys kind of brought it up. But you did. You guys kind of brought it up where the Hart Foundation does take them out at SummerSlam of 1990. So we knew at that point they're losing the titles. You know, That match was push. very good. It was a two out of three falls match. I thought it was very good. It was a very nice story they told. Uh, like it acts was kind of, he kept coming down the ring. He would hide in another ring and then, you know, smash. He would substitute there. in and they yeah. wouldn't notice. Like you can't notice there's between fucking yeah. crush and both. Axe. Okay. Yeah. Both That's crush cool. and, and smash had the long hair. So, okay. Even though crush was like nine feet tall, like it. Okay. I believe so that, big. but yeah, like acts would get in there with a short hair and shit and no knee pads. And like, you just climb in there and the ref's like, <laughs> Oh, really looks like smash to me. Like, and just like keep going. It's kind of silly, but I get what they were doing or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, Today's point, LOD came down, place went nuts. Uh, they pulled Axe from the outside of the ring to expose him. So the ref's like, huh? And then in that confusion, they were on the third fall. They'd already settled two falls in the two out of three fall match. Sure. And then uh, um, Brett pinned Smash and like the place went nuts. And like, that was a great moment. Like, yeah, even though Demolition loses the belts here for the final time, uh, Heart, it was a good moment for the Heart Foundation. It was a great match. SummerSlam 90, if you get a chance, go back and watch it. It's worth it. Sure. It's a good match.
think about this. Demolition began feuding with Hawk and Animal, and they would be joined in six-man uh, tag matches by the WWF champion, the Ultimate Warrior, which is so weird because when you think about, you know, <laughs> think about the amount of beef in that ring, bro. I mean, just like 900 pounds of ridiculousness on a three-man tag match. I, I just, God, and, and quite frankly, none of them were very good. They were just, they were just huge. I know. And I'm think about this, you know, you have the warrior beat Hogan like three months before, uh, the greatest wrestler of all time, you know, as far as WWF was concerned, he beats Hogan clean. Hogan goes away yeah. for a while. And your big idea for opponents afterwards is we'll just put them in like during the summer, we're just going to put them a bunch of six man tags. Oh, cool. I, the well, I think, I think, like, I think, you know, not like not a one time thing, like a televised event or a live main event. Sure. Like, yes, that's a great visual. Like, oh, well, no, it, team it, with it, the it's, not de- it's not like, to def- cool. well, it's not to defend it, but they knew that they had to protect him. Right. Because he just was he was green when he shouldn't have been green. I mean, Warrior had been around for a while, but he never got any better. All he cared about was before the match started and after the bell rang at the end. That was Warrior's deal. But in between the match didn't matter to him. I mean, that, that's that's the ultimate warrior in a nutshell. It doesn't matter. It matters how I come in, how I get the crowd to pop. And it matters when I fucking pin you and I pose. And I, I, he's pulling the Hogan formula. But what he doesn't understand is that Hogan sold shit in the ring that made people like clamor and go crazy for a warrior. Never did that. Warrior's and, so wild. I can't oh, hate well. it. I hate it. Yep. So <laughs> every night. So, you know, Axe, Smash and Crush lose to the Ultimate <laughs> Warrior and Legion of Doom in Saturday night's main event. Um, Superstars Wrestling, Demolition reunited with Fuji, and they helped Fuji and the Orient Express assault the Legion of Doom. Orient Express, so underrated. God dang it. And then Survivor Series, the perfect team, which is Demolition, and Mr. Perfect was defeated by the Warriors. The Warriors, how fucking unoriginal. The Ultimate Warrior, Stop it. Texas Tornado, and the Legion of Doom. And then shortly after Axe is finally leaving the WWF, he's, you know, he's he's not well. Let's be real. You know, he had a sh- I think was- he ended up having a shellfish allergy. Legitly. Yeah. Wow. And then so Smash and Crush are kind of left on their own and they went on to just lose to everybody. Lost to the Rockers, lost to Legion of Doom. Um, they lost to, you know, Tenru and uh, Koji Kato at WrestleMania 7. Oh, yeah. So I don't think we that ever was... saw a Road Warriors versus Demolition, Axe and Smash versus Hawk and Animal on a pay-per-view or on television, right? Did they do a, no. ha- a, did they do a house show no, loop? No. Later on, they no. did Crush. It was, always it... The, it was always the six man and Crush was always in there. Yeah, Axe was not healthy enough. Which is super sad yeah. that you didn't get to see those guys go at it in their prime two on yeah. two. Like, and because on mean, the network, the, I got excited yeah. and I hit select on... Um, the, and the folks and the search functionality for WWE Network on the Fire Stick it's terrible like it kicks you out of whenever you're trying to on the search I was I always had trouble finding Demolition but I saw Demolition versus Legion of Doom and I went oh this is awesome and it was on like a super tape thing I believe and it was just it was Crush and um, Smash and, and Smash, I was like yeah. and I don't think they have any yeah sort no of- they never got to you know yeah you figure like that would be like right in his hands like but I get it Smash was his health was failing but yeah like that actually the, yeah. the road war, the road warrior imposters finally facing the road warriors like you know it's like that's kind of yeah cool. no 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 it totally makes sense but <clears throat> at this point you're losing to pretty much people that nobody knows uh you know and then eventually if i'm looking at this right crush would have to leave uh he went on a leave of absence i think i think there might have been um you know substance abuse involved there but i'm not sure well, they also repackaged and him. I thought I thought it was an injury, but it could be wrong. I, you might be right, but I'm not, I, I'm not sure. They but, repackaged but him, and he came back as the Kona Crush. Yeah, and then Smash has to go on and just wrestle as you know one person of Demolition and gets beat by everybody, and then he eventually. But Vince was afraid that like he would said. remind them of Demolition Crush, so he almost didn't let Kona Crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Which, and, again, and, so and, stupid. It's like we're just gonna add Kona to the name so got, and we're yeah, fine with you it. Got, like, you've got Kona. Yeah, we're still gonna refer to Crush, which we know where you came from at that point. But yeah, like we all knew, we all knew it was him. We're like, oh yeah, it's him. And then you've got Smash coming back as Repo Man. A little funny note, so. like uh, you know, yeah, that was the end of demolition, basically there. But SummerSlam '92 yeah. in England. Uh, Repo Man faced Kona Crush. I just find that poetic. Like, <laughs> wow, about a year after they who, set who won? Crush, uh, and Crush. Yeah. yeah, no, of course he did. That's Crush too bad. Did. So yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't remember Repo Man winning anything outside of a prelim match. I really don't. He did not. 
This is true. I don't think he did. So, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to get into the post stuff. I mean, Eddie's, you know, it, it's, it's. Well, we can go. I mean, yeah, without doing that, like basically everyone's clamoring for them to be in the Hall of Fame, which uh, absolutely. Why would you not want them? It's a no brainer. But I, there's a, there's been an ongoing concussion lawsuit that that both of demolition are a part of uh, that WWE neglected. Uh, people back in the day when they had concussions, they would intimidate them to go out and work anyway and blah, blah, blah. So they're part of that whole lawsuit right now. So unfortunately, because they are part of that lawsuit, that is why the WWE is not allowing them into the Hall of Fame. I hope one day that they f- they settle and they figure it out because, I mean, I know everybody says it about so many different people, but demolition deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They deserve to have some airtime on today's Monday Night Raw and SmackDown referencing them talking about them and with their influence on tag wrestling and like, really like, I mean, it's, it's like, it's long overdue. I understand why it's not happened, but demolition needs to be in the fucking hall of fame. Come on. I honestly thought they were there until today when I found, I was like, shit, that's right. They are not in the hall of fame. That's yeah. So an an interesting, well, it's tragic side note, you know, to say the least, but in August 13th, 2007, Brian Adams was found unconscious in his Tampa, Florida home. A lot of mixtures of different drugs and other issues in the system. His wife found him not breathing. Some in paramedics. The wrestler could not be revived. He was pronounced dead at the scene. And they say they, they couldn't determine a cause of death. They noted no signs of injury, obviously, which leads to the drugs in the system. He was only 47 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry, 43. 43 years old at the time. I mean, gosh, I'm a, I'm a year away from that. God. I, oh, just turned, I just turned 43. Yeah, it's insane yeah. when you think about that. So there's a lot going on there, but... Uh, this leads to the question, you know, when they get inducted into the Hall of Fame, it will happen. I think they'll work it out. They worked it out with people with with more troublesome past. Uh, does does uh, Crush get inducted with them? Gets a little, um, gets a little Kona uh, love. I think that I mean, yes, because the NWO this year is going in instead of Hogan Hall and Nash. And and if you're going to put a fourth person, it should be Bischoff. But they're throwing six in there. So I, to me, I'm like, why not? I get it. Just if that, you know what I mean? That's like an example of what. WWE and that, and that means that means six is a two time Hall of Famer. Right? Exactly. Yes. And, he's in but DX not as well. not in it individually. Six is the only person to be in the WWE Hall of Fame two times, but never as a singles wrestler. The first one was for DH oh, wow. and this one will be for the NWO. Yeah. <laughs> so who's going to hold the most uh, Hall of Fame? Well, six, just like we just talked about six. He jumped right in there. If he gets put in individually, that's three. Yeah, but Triple H will be in there three or four times. Evolution will get inducted. It'll happen. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. And so will Flair, and then yeah. Flair will be a four-time or three-time? Three-time. Because the Horsemen are in, yeah? Yeah, Horsemen are in. Flair's in individually. Hogan's going in for the second mm-hmm. time with NWO. Yeah. Brett's in it twice. Go- Brett's in it with the Hart Foundation and as himself. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's interesting stuff. No, Anything I, else? Yeah, I, I just fondly remember them. Like demolition was really cool, and like that was an intense period. And it just also showed you that they came around the right time in the sense of like that nucleus from '87, which was like the peak of the WWF boom period at the time, all the way till I mean, really, we they petered out in '91, but I mean, really, Act stopped wrestling in '90 you know, with them, he just kind of came yeah. down to the ring. So like, and it would occasionally team with them. So, I mean, like really from 87 to 90, like that was like that three year, just that hardcore period that they became three time tag champions. First reign being over a year and, you know, becoming legends. Like at that point, that's pretty intense. And, and they legitimately deserve it. It, it. Yeah. WWE was behind them or WWF was behind them. But at the same time, like action smash, they own that gimmick and they pushed themselves through and uh, they did a lot of cool things. Like, like we talk about Axe's voice, not his real voice, not the one we make, but the, the razor blade in the throat voice and smash yeah. is just, you know, smash would do the tongue and he would make sure his tongue was painted red and everything. And that was just awesome. Like they knew like, how to feed off each other when they interviewed the other buddy while one was talking, the other one would be making faces and like, yeah, they just were really cool together. And Fuji was a big part of that. Maybe they go into hall of fame with Fuji as well. And I, that would be cool. I, I just really enjoyed them in doing research for, for this episode. I expected to kind of fast forward through a lot. They were a lot of fun to watch and their stuff holds up. They were brawlers, um, but they also could go 
um, with everyone from Brain Busters to Bulldogs to Heart Foundation and put on good matches. And they were strong as hell. And I think I said that in the beginning, but I was very uh, surprised and pleasantly surprised of how much I enjoyed watching their retrospective and a lot of their matches um, back today. There's a lot of strong guys. There's a lot of strong guys, Craig, that, that, but they couldn't work like you're saying. Right. And And they they were fast too. They could move. I am impressed with smash too, going back to Craig's point and watching, but Axe really, when you watch Axe, yeah, like Axe was really good in there and you didn't realize pacing. Yeah. He was good at pacing and he, we always use the phrase ring general or a lot of people use that, but he was the ring general in there and Axe really like held the pacing and like knew what to do. And you watch just Axe's body slams their textbook and perfect and his clotheslines were perfect. And like Axe was just really, really good. And a lot of people don't give him credit for how good he was. And you you got to, I don't, I don't recall Axe ever hurting anybody. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Right. Like took care of everyone. And that, and that finisher as devastating as it was never hurt anybody either to my, to my recollection. So safe, powerful, fantastic tag team, very much underrated. That is demolition. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. This is Dave, Jess, and Craig with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. And don't forget, you can find us on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and iHeartRadio.